Hello, I'm Sarah. And I'm Joanna. And we are your therapists next door. Join us as we demystify therapy and destigmatize mental health. Every episode, we interview a healthcare professional. It's sometimes serious, sometimes sad, most times ridiculous. <laughs> Special thanks as usual to one of our top contributing patrons today, Daniela. Thank Woo-hoo! you as always for your support. Therapist Next Door is 100% listener funded and commits that we will never work with advertisers. We commit it. Yeah, I'm right here. We don't, be- we don't believe that it is our business or our job tell you what kind of mattress to buy or encourage you to give money to an exploitative therapy service as we believe that labor should be paid we ask that listeners who are able to contribute contribute what they can so that we can continue to be a platform to clinicians who further destigmatize mental health and demystify therapy and if all you can contribute is your ears and listening we love that lend me your ears yes Every episode, we thank one of our top contributing patrons. Thank you again, Daniela. Learn more about perks and ways to support us at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon.com slash T-N-D-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. For easy access, visit our Instagram at tndpod and find the link in our bio. Let's get on to our show. This week, we welcome Siobhan Swain, who works as a therapist and owner of The Healing Lounge. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Therapist Next Door, the podcast that shows you the human side of your friendly neighborhood healthcare worker. We do this by interviewing someone in a helping profession, asking questions that you want the answers to, I can read your mind, and answering questions you didn't know you had. I can also read my mind. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'm Joanna. I bet you you knew that. Um, (laughs) A board certified music therapist and a licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm a white, straight, cisgendered female, and my pronouns are she, hers, and I found a cool rock this morning. That's really nice. Yeah. What, what kind of rock? I don't think it was a native rock to Pennsylvania. So uh, the exciting thing about this is that I don't find many rocks on my walks because I live in a city, and all the rocks are covered by concrete, and also, like, I'm not digging I do when people do dig pits to like build the new condos that are going everywhere here I do peer Mm. and see if I can see anything I don't know why because like I'm not gonna break into a building place and steal their rocks that they don't want yeah I mean if I saw an amethyst like who knows what I would do because there's like special soil called peanut butter and that's when you know you're getting Mm. close to crystals so I'm always on the look out for peanut butter but this is just like i think a piece of like pink granite um definitely from some building that was maybe there before because it's definitely uh polished on one side but i was like hell yeah this is a cool rock i'm gonna take it and i did very cool very cool very cool yeah and i'm sarah an lpc from pennsylvania transplant from south jersey i am a cishet white woman and my pronouns are she her and i recently got into cross stitching Ooh. That seems like a very you craft. Thank you. I agree in that it's also tedious and it's not very relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> At least not yet. I'm definitely enjoying it. I have some beginner kits that a, a dear friend sent to me recently. And I'm I am enjoying it. Again, it's something that's like I think gonna help with my focus. I definitely need a lot of lights on. I've been very Ooh. aware, not to get too heavy, Joanna, but I've been very aware <laughs> over the last like couple months of just my age um so yeah and we could talk for that about our you know about that for hours but I don't want to I don't want that to be my time (laughs) not not, (laughs) not right now but anyway I am enjoying it uh the friend sent me some astrological signs which I'm really enjoying doing 
learning about cross-stitch, making mistakes, not getting too angry, but also like needing to relax my shoulders and my ankles and my feet, like every like four goddamn minutes, because it's like I said, it's very tedious, but it's really cool. And I'm excited to do it. And I can do it while watching TV. And the show that I'm rewatching right now is Joanna, one of our shared favorites, Lost. Wow. It's infuriating. Every yeah. character is a horrible person. Every male yeah. character. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, Lost does have a special place in my heart. I don't know if I could rewatch it. Yeah. It's very, it's very strange. Yeah. Uh, we talked a lot about it back, you know, 10 years ago when we first met. Uh, <laughs> so I assume that you still hold it in high school. I esteem. do. Yeah. yeah I tried totally. to make a blog about it, but as we'll find out, Joanna makes a lot of things, starts <laughs> a lot of things, as we'll find out farther on in our episode. I kind of like this. It's like a, I'm the future telling. Yes, yes, we're changing yes. up how we, how we're recording things so they do have these like lights that you can put around your neck that help they're you know for knitting and but i imagine that oh, they would yeah. help with cross stitch as well so i can show you what mine looks like please do i would love that yeah and, yeah and lord knows i'll probably research to death the right kind of one to buy as we'll find out also further in this episode <laughs> <laughs> i got mine as a gift so um uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes, it, that makes it easier when you get things as a gift because then you don't have to research at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's it for me, though. Joanna, do you have any fun things to share about mistakes you've made in the past on our show? No, I am perfect. I'm not. But nice. yeah, period. Right. End of sentence. But I am yeah. also realizing that now that we're recording the intros after the interview, we can do housekeeping immediately. <laughs> <laughs> housekeeping for my future. Yeah. Uh, oh, goodness. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. No, nothing. Still, there's no silly. No, okay. nothing. I'm just realizing that maybe I did try to okay. do some research on something, but didn't find any. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. All right. Well, stay tuned after the break for our history lesson. And now it's time for our lesson. The lesson is compiled facts describing history and or current events, good and bad, or in between, in order to give context for the field our guest works in. Joanna, we have two sources today. One is via Allure.com, an article entitled The Beginner's Guide to Human Design by Nikita Montani. The other one is jovianarchive.com which is a site that you and i used to get our human design so let's yeah talk about and that. maybe there'll be links to them in the like show notes or something I don't know. maybe lucky ducks <laughs> no content warning today so listen at your leisure all right joanna why human design let's talk know. about it yeah tell me imagine being given a quote user manual for your life nice how would this user manual help you? The manual would guide you on how to navigate life perfectly aligned with who you are. Detailing your talents, skills, and potential, it would give you a map for actualizing. It would help you understand how you were designed to engage with the world and show you where you are susceptible to your environment's influence and conditioning. The manual reveals how your inner guidance system operates and provides you with practical techniques for making decisions that can greatly enhance your experience in life. This is what the human design has to offer. Simply put, if you want to discover how to improve the quality of your life in a simple yet immensely effective way, or if you want to make the right moment-to-moment decisions resulting in improved relationships and career choices, or if you want to manage the challenges that are part of a daily life without getting overwhelmed, you have the innate ability to make choices that are in alignment with your authentic nature and based in your personal authority. This knowledge will empower you to live a fulfilling life in your unique way. What is human design? 
Uh, it was created by a man named Alan Krakauer, who published a book in 1992 on the subject under the pseudonym Ra Uruhu. Human design is an incredibly specific way to learn more about your personality, emotions, and energy, energy centers. More specifically, human design breaks down how you, quote, are wired to make decisions, work within teams, parent, and partner. This was said by human design guide and leadership coach Aaron Clare. Much like astrological birth charts, human design is a system based on your exact time, date, and place of birth. However, this information doesn't just map the planets where they were in the sky when you were born like a birth chart. Human design also identifies your dominant chakras to create your personal body graph. It's basically an energetic blueprint, as Jones calls it. Human design is essentially a mix of Kabbalah, I Ching, Myers-Briggs, astrology, biochemistry, genetics, and the chakra system all in one, she says. So how do, how do you determine your human design? Huh. There are many sources online that provide free human design charts, like the ones Sarah and I uh, got from jovianarchive.com. If you are new to human design, your chart will look complicated with a bunch of shapes, colors, and numbers. The diagram, which resembles the top half of a human body, incorporates shapes to resemble each chakra, such as crown, sacral, and root. Some are filled in, while others are empty to represent how and where you make decisions. Lines, aka channels or gates, depending on if they are colored in, connect each chakra together. A series of planetary symbols with numbers also sandwiches the diagram on each side. The right side is your conscious personality that you can learn more about via your sun sign. The left is your unconscious personality, which ba which is basically your birth chart from about three months before you were born. The numbers correspond to the ones that appear in the chakras, so you can gauge which planets rule each one. I'm so excited for our interview. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to delve into just like a very cursory look at our human design charts, because I don't think we even talked about the, the whole chakras and channels and things like that. Oh, yeah, fair point. Well, stay tuned after this quick break as we dive into it with our interviewee for today. All right, today on our show, we have Siobhan Swain. Siobhan is a nature lover, music lover, low-key comedian, bookworm, Star Trek aficionado, stargazer, mother, business owner, therapist, human design practitioner, and coach. Welcome, Siobhan. Thank you. Thank you for Welcome. having me. Um, my first question is, what is your favorite uh, series of Star Trek? I know that's like a really loaded and heavy question, but I'd, I'd like yeah. to know. <laughs> Sorry. My favorite. I know it is so hard. So I always go back to Star Trek Next Generation with Captain Picard and Data and Jordy because they're just the best. They are the best. <laughs> They really are. So, so as a, mm -hmm. as a person on the outside of the universe, <laughs> now that's controversial because they are not the OGs, but they did come in and really like kind of make it better or people liked it more than the original one. Is that correct? Yeah. You that know. loaded. <laughs> that, that is loaded. I feel like it's very, obviously it's very personal and subjective, right? Very therapy answer. Um, <laughs> But they just, I feel like they just brought new energy and they made it more popular. 
Yeah, I mean, my mine is also next generation, just because like I remember like coming home from school. My dad was a teacher at the time, so like we would all watch it on reruns. So there's like a lot of nostalgia there. I also mm-hmm. like cannot watch the original series, which I feel really bad about. I can't either. Okay, <laughs> I can't either. I feel so- it, it's a little different. You know, it's always hard to go back and watch something once technology has advanced. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's like, can you really get the effect that the people watching it when it came out with where they were from a technological standpoint? And the answer is no, we can't because it looks old. <laughs> and not to keep monopolizing, but we've also like passed their technology and they're like way in the future. Right now we've passed yes. their technology. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I think the only thing we can't do is transport, but most things like we're, we have cooler stuff now. Anyway. <laughs> Welcome well, to sure. our Star Trek <laughs> fan podcast. And I am your guest, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, let us tell you about how many times I use Star Trek analogies in my therapy practice. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. <laughs> well, Siobhan, we are so happy to have you on the show. We're so happy to hear about human design. And I'm just like, as a fellow, I don't know, as a novice stargazer, and <laughs> just low-key comedian. I mean, I guess if I'm going to rate myself, I'm just really excited to hear about how these things are brought into your therapy practice and, you know, how you bring them into your life as well. So could you tell us a little bit about human design? Again, a very broad question, but how you bring that into yes. your therapy practice? Yes. So I learned about human design probably four or five years ago, and I found that fell down the rabbit hole. It was really interesting. And I just kind of started with understanding my own design type and how it impacted my life. And then last year, I decided to take a training on human design. I had some clients who were aware of it. Human design is um, very closely tied to astrology. And so a lot of people talk about their astrology and they will bring that in. And so it just kind of became this transition where those conversations became more in depth. And the way I introduced it with clients, typically I do a lot of trauma work. So if we're doing hardcore trauma work, we're not really talking about um, human design at that moment. However, when I have someone who maybe has a dilemma, they have some decisions, they are in a period of transformation and they are really trying to figure out how do I make decisions? You know, a lot of a lot of people who have experienced things in life, their trust in themselves gets diminished. And so they really have a hard time deciding. They have a hard time trusting that the decision that I am making is going to be in my best interest. And that is often, in my opinion, a time for me to introduce human design. And this goes a lot with career transitions, right? If someone's thinking about, well, I've done this forever. I don't know if I want to continue to do it. And I will introduce it. I will provide some information. I always let them know it's their choice. And interestingly enough, I have never had anyone say no. Almost all of the folks I've introduced it to have said, oh my gosh, I love astrology. I've already looked up my natal chart. Let's let's do it. And so then we look up their design type. And human design, I feel, is a great tool for self-exploration. It is similar to people who look up their Enneagram or different personality tests to kind of understand themselves more. And so we just kind of go from there. If a person's interested, I have access to the system. I've now done my training. We look up their information and we just slowly start to incorporate it. That's really cool. 
how do you find somebody's design? Yeah, so like a birth chart, you have to have your date of birth, location of birth, and then the time you were born. And then based on that information, it is, it's a rabbit hole. So I know I've mentioned this when we did our call, like, you know, you can look into it, but there's a ton of information because it really combines astrology, metaphysics, the chakra system, your natal chart is there. And so it is quite a bit of information. So pulling that up, I typically just start with some of what I would consider the basics, things that can help a person, um, which would be their design type and then their strategy. And then we kind of discuss different centers in the body graph. And we just kind of go from there. And I offer people to take notes, look it up on their own. If you have questions, let me know. But we're usually able to tie it into something that they're work- working on actively in therapy. Great. I had a question and I totally forgot. Sarah, do you have a question? I do. Um, I Like first off, acknowledging the uh, the tying of Eastern practices of like chakral uh, recognition and also just the Western idea of Myers-Briggs too and Enneagrams. Um, it, it's, it's really, it's really neat how the two are tied together. And I, and I'm so interested to hear how folks from different backgrounds and different professions and maybe just different experiences, how, how both Western and East, like old Eastern and newer Western sides can appeal to them. Yeah. I feel like, you know, a lot of the folks who I work with, they have that curiosity about themselves that really drives their willingness to try something different, right? And so I know that in life, we all have times where there may be a period where we're just unsure of the next steps. We're unsure of what to do, how to get there. And so one thing with human design is when people learn their design type, So for example, I'm a generator and my strategy is to respond. That thing gives me some information. There are other people whose strategy is different. And so incorporating that into, okay, you're saying you want a new job. What things have come your way? What things have you seen that are really interesting? What comments have people made to you? where you're like, oh, you know what? I really would be interested in that. And you kind of feel that excitement. And it's kind of like tuning people into something that's already happening because people are often like, oh, every single job I've gotten has come about this way. I just didn't realize that's what it was. And so it's kind of fine tuning their understanding of themselves so they they can feel more confident in the decisions that they're making. Yeah. So my, I can't believe I forgot this question before, but what's what's a type? You mentioned that a couple of times. What does that mean for somebody? Yeah. So in human design, there are five types. So there are generators and manifesting generators. They make up the majority of the population and they are the people who you would think of as the doers. Um, so for example, generators are known for mastering something over time, like having a craft and really honing it. So um, a famous generator is Oprah. She's a talk show host. She really mastered the art of asking questions and interviewing over time. Beyonce's a generator, masters the art of her craft over time. And so they make up the most 
the majority of the population, about 70%. Then we have projectors. Projectors are people who are here to guide us, um, and they make up about 20% of the population. And I'm trying to think, famous projector would be Barack Obama. He's a projector. They're here to guide. Their strategy is to wait for an invitation. So if you know his story, people invited him to run for office. It wasn't like he just woke up one day and did it. Someone recognized him. They saw him. They said, hey, I think you would be good for this. And there was an invitation. Then there are manifestors. Manifestors are the only design who are really here to start things and initiate. They're about 9%. And then the most rare type are reflectors. And reflectors are about 1% of the population. And they are really unique in that if you look at their chart, they have no definition. And their strategy is to wait the, a cycle of the moon to make a decision. So to wait 28 days before making a decision. Obviously, we do not live in a world that supports that. So <laughs> there are, there are <laughs> things that have to be considered. But a person who has that design type can understand why they need so much more time and why they often struggle in a world that is so urgent, right? Everybody wants everything right now. And if you're someone who really needs 28 days to figure out how you feel, that can cause a lot of internal conflict if you're not aware that that's your strategy. Yeah, I could see a lot of a lot of conflict with like, you know, wanting to take your time, but not understanding that like, that's okay to do because everyone's like, no, 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 no. Exactly. Yes. And I believe that's a, a practice in Islam as well. Uh, just under the religion is is waiting for like big decisions, like familial decisions. Um, I I will certainly do more research on this after, but that is something that shows up in for folks that practice uh, Islam too. So I actually took on jovianarchive.com. Mm -hmm. You shared this with me, Siobhan. I took the, yeah. I believe Joanna did as well. So I did. Obviously, I and we'll just go through this. If, if you don't mind terribly sharing what my type is, and what Joanna's type is, and if we could- okay have maybe like a, a little bit of a discussion about what that could be for other folks that are listening. Um, so my type is projector. Okay. My strategy is to wait for the invitation. Mm -hmm. And I believe these are categorized, right? So my not self theme is bitterness, which of course, reading that I immediately feel like, <gasps> but also <laughs> that emotion <laughs> certainly has happened for me. Mm -hmm. um, so is there, is there anything, uh, should I keep going with this or is there anything showing up that that like that like you would use as like a yes. jumping off point yes. In, yes. thank yeah. you yes so if I am doing a human design reading um definitely want the person to understand their type definitely want them to understand their their not self so you know all of us have a not self and it's really the way I think about it as your clue that you're maybe out of alignment the other thing that I think is really important for people to understand is their profile. So what's your profile? Four slash one. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so I feel like the the human design type strategy, strategy, your authority. So for your design type, what does it say your authority is? Inner authority is splenic. splenic. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ooh. that's pretty rare to be a splenic projector. Okay, so... Yeah, um, those are the things that I think are helpful. The things that you've just shared. If I were going to say, if you're going to look up your human design type, start there. Because that kind of gives you the basis for kind of how you operate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there any questions you have about your type? Or do you just want to kind of run through what this means for you? 
Well, I was reading the description a little bit further. I just in an article from allure.com mm-hmm. and it, it, it was really interesting because they were talking about, or they were describing this scenario in which I, I would derive energy from other people, which is certainly true, but also not wanting to seek it out all the time. Cause that takes a lot of energy, mm-hmm. but also that, uh, I can be somebody that's called upon and there can be, I, I believe like mastery over time, but it, it's something that's not like a typical mastery, if that makes sense. If, if I'm reading that correctly. Yeah. yeah, I would say for projectors, what's different is that because projectors are really here to guide other people and we don't live in a society, right, where it's like, oh, you're here to guide. You can just sit back, wait for the invitation. A lot of us are kind of raised to do so if you're not a generator or a manifesting generator who are the doers, who have the defined sacral center, but you're expected to produce, the way it impacts people is a lot of projectors will say that in childhood, they would often not feel like doing things, right? Like that word a lot, I don't feel like doing, I would rather not go to this event. However, in childhood, you don't have a lot of autonomy because you have people who are making decisions for you. So some projectors describe in childhood wondering if they were lazy or wondering why they didn't have the same motivation as other people. And the real important thing I think to realize about projectors is that one, they don't have a defined sacral center. So they do amplify the energy of others, but that also costs them. But also projectors do not need to put in the same amount of energy to do what they're here to do. So it's more of an understanding of projectors are here to be really efficient with their energy. Right. Does that make oh, that, sense? So like yeah, that lands pretty heavily. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, right. <laughs> yeah. So you're here to be efficient. Mm-hmm. And then for the splenic authority, that really means you have a defined spleen. And the spleen is one of the centers in the human design chart. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. looked it up, but anything that is colored in means that it's defined and that you have consistent access to the energy of that center. And for a person who has a splenic authority, you're really able to make your decisions in the moment. So if you think about it, are you someone who needs to think about things a lot? Or are you someone who kind of knows? Now, we are taught to overthink because people question us and we always have to be prepared to defend ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. But if you were to operate in your authority... And I ask you a question, hey, are you interested in going to, I don't know, Olive Garden for lunch? You would know yes or no. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm, oh my gosh, I, I love this. And I'm really connecting this to what you said in the beginning, Siobhan, about maybe, maybe folks with trauma who, you know, at, at a certain point becomes all of us to a degree, maybe we are taught to not trust our own decision-making process either because because we have been culturally or familially or socially, what have you, we have been made to believe our decisions aren't, don't matter, or we just haven't been given the skills to handle if a decision isn't the best one. So if I, exactly. (laughs) so if we even like bringing this into trauma work, if, if I am to trust my gut instinct that I have been taught for quite some time and I'm just healing from now, if I'm to trust that Mm -hmm. gut instinct, I usually know my answer. Right. But if I, but maybe it might take me a week to realize, oh shit, I've known this the whole time. I've known that this. Right. Right. So yeah, yeah, that totally shows up. If I were to take out mm -hmm. trauma and stress. Yeah. I know if I want to go to Olive Garden. (laughs) 
Exactly. <laughs> and also the desire to please other people, right? Mm. Because the splenic definition is really about you being tapped into your intuition and you're, you're able to just access that information quickly. And even within relationships, I see this a lot. If a person has a splenic authority or a sacral authority and they know in the now, and you're in a relationship with somebody who has an emotional authority and they need to wait. Can you imagine the disagreements <laughs> in the relationships when it's like, is this important to you? If it was so important, why don't you give me an answer, right? Like that conflict that happens. And it's really because we all have a different way to make our decisions. Yeah. I also, I like the idea of just like taking some of the pressure off of us for ourselves. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, blame someone else. Blame your design. (laughs) Or or just like, (laughs) just like let it just there is no, you know, there's no blame. It doesn't have to be anyone's fault, Mm -hmm. which I feel like probably comes up a lot in, in processing trauma, like down the line. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also because trauma really, a lot of times we didn't have any choice or we didn't have any say right? To what happened. And so, but we tend to blame ourselves for what happened. And then that again erodes your ability to trust the next decision. It erodes your ability to trust the next relationship or to know, or to even feel confident to make a decision. A lot of people stay in a place of, I don't know, because they're too afraid to say the thing that they actually feel or the thing they actually think. And I think that introducing something like human design kind of allows a person to kind of understand how would I process this? How would I make this decision had this not happened to me? And can I get myself back to that place? Yeah, that's really well said. And I and I think it's important for us to mention that that blame, like why blame comes up, right? Like living in a culture that is so individualized and discourages yes. us from being communal. Mm-hmm. And of, of course, blame is going to be a result of that because we we have a very difficult time. And again, it's not, I'm not blaming design. I'm blaming, sorry. right. you know what I'm blaming, Joanna. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm, I'm blaming the system that we're living under, but we, blame is very safe because then we don't, we don't, we're unfortunately don't really get the chance to look in, to look inward, to see like how, living on our own isolated really really is not good for us Um, right yeah so just a point absolutely so my chart is a little different from sarah's nice um i'm a manifesting generator i don't think we super talked about what that is as a type um but what what is yeah so manifesting generators are essentially generators however the difference is that manifesting generators And this is going to be specific, so you may need to pull up the image of your chart. Manifesting generators have a defined throat that is is connected to a motor in their human design chart. And what that means is that there's, think about the motors like a battery. So your throat is very powerful, right? Because we talk about human design being tied to the chakra system. We know that what we say, speaking things into existence, manifesting things, Um, So if it's tied to a motor, there's a little bit more energy and action behind it. So manifesting generators are generators who have the ability to take shortcuts in their mastery. And so manifesting generators often have their hands in many pots. 
right? Like they have a, they have the energy, they have the ability to speak things into existence, um, which then means that I can't, my mind is going completely blank with an example of a manifesting generator, but there are often people who are serial entrepreneurs. They're the person who they have an idea, they learn something new, and the next thing you know, they're all about it, right? Whether it is crocheting, whether it is... Um, Wait, you know, do you know something. me? <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but I know you're a type, I think you do, right? Siobhan. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're a type. Um, but manifesting generators, really, my experience of manifesting generators is that they have really big energy and it feels very different from the energy of the other design types because everybody else either if you're a generator you have to wait to respond and you're doing mastery but it's over time right like the people the examples I gave Oprah didn't become the best at her job it took like 20 30 years a manifesting generator may be mastering things in three to five years so it just feels different they're kind of like seen as these like master multitaskers right they're able to have their hands in all of these different pots and they have the energy to it on the downside manifesting generators who do not know how to rest will burn themselves out so that's kind of the caveat all of so manifesting generators and generators have defined sacral centers. They're the doers. They're at risk for burnout because they have the energy. And if they don't know how to stop, they just keep going. Non-sacral centers, projectors, manifestors, reflectors, they don't have a defined sacral center. So they have, they often have much better practices with rest. Um, I know people who are projectors who will be like, okay, so Next Monday, I have these three things, which means I need to be wrapped up at four so that I can be at home by five so that I can have my evening to wind down. The generators and manifesting generators will be like, yeah, we're going to show up and we're going to close the place down. Yes. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> That's yeah. actually something I'm really working on is like taking a lot of rest and like trying to pace myself because... um yeah, no, I, I I often think like I like too many things. Like I'm into too many hobbies. There's too many. That's how that's how it's that's how it's supposed to be. Okay. It's good. As long as it isn't causing you harm, right? It's not causing me harm, no. Yeah. yeah. I don't think yeah. so. Right. To be determined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the other the other thing that you had, my inner authority is emotional. So my solar plexus. Okay, so emotional authority um, means that you need to wait before making big decisions. And so it can be a little complicated because as a manifesting generator, you do have a defined sacral center, which means that if you're at a neutral place emotionally, you're able to say, yes, this is good for me. No, this is not good for me. However, because you have a defined emotional solar plexus, you feel the full emotional waves. So if you think back over your life, if you're really, really excited about something, you may have a higher tendency to say yes. If you're really, really upset or sad, you may just be automatically no. But then once those waves pass and you're at a neutral place, you may have agreed to something and you're like, why did I say yes to this? But it was because you were riding an emotional high and everything was great, right? Or if it's an emotional low and you're not feeling so great, you may be like, no, absolutely not. But then once you're back to neutral, you're like, 
actually, I probably could have done that. So it's really about giving yourself enough time to move through the emotional waves, get to a neutral place and then make your decision. That's uh, that's reminding me of just like coming back to like a neutral position in, in yoga. Just like, mm-hmm. let's get back mm-hmm. to like neutral spine, you know, hands and knees. Yeah, yeah preventing injury. Mm. Yeah. Balance, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is super interesting. Is there anything else from my chart that would be helpful? Um, your profile would probably be helpful. And I know I forgot to mention the 4-1 profile, but I can kind of talk about yours and go back to the 4-1 sure. with a little bit of information. Mine is 2-4. 2-4. Okay, so a person with a 2-4 profile. So the first number is what would be considered conscious, right? And so the two 2-4s are interesting because it's kind of like it's a um, contradiction. So the 2 is about being a hermit. The 4 is about being super social. So people with two, four profiles will often find that there are times where they really need to kind of step away and whatever they need to do, reflect, do their work, grow. And then they get to a point to where they're like, you know what, I'm ready to kind of go back outside and network and engage. And it's really about honoring that ebb and flow and not to judge yourself if you're feeling the need to pull away. Because again, when I am doing this work with someone and I hear certain things being said, I'm sometimes like, okay, is this or is this them not understanding their profile that they need that time alone? And it's not like you're going to isolation. You may have the people who are closest to you still engaging with them on a regular basis, but you're not like out and about, right? You kind of need to pull back. Um, figure some things out. And then whenever you're ready, you go back out the four line. I love a four line. I have a four, six profile because as so I'm in private practice as a business owner, I have not done a ton of marketing, but my four line is all about connections and people. So I get so many referrals from people who I've had casual conversations with or I've met them at events. And so all the business coaches are like, you need to do all these things. And I'm in my mind like, you have no idea I have this four line working in my favor. (laughs) So I am doing okay. So with the two four, it's those ebbs and flows. And if you reflect on your life, your experience, you will probably see a pattern of times where you feel super social and times where you're like, no people. I just need to be by myself. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like this idea of just like, again, giving yourself some slack and like list, like being intuitive to yeah. what you need. And especially if that goes against like what our society and culture deems as as good. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then going back to the 4-1 profile, Again, the four line is all about networking, connections. Um, And then the one line is called the investigator. And people with the one line, if I am working with them clinically, I will often ask them how much information is enough. People with the one line are almost always researching things. I want to say like until the end of time, that's being dramatic, but also sometimes it feels like that. It's let me look into this. Okay, let me look into it further. Okay, let me get a little bit more information. And sometimes if you stay in that space of searching for information, you don't ever get to the point of acting. And so when I have people who feel like they're in a lull of their life, and they have this idea, they have this dream, they have something they're interested in, and they have all of this research, sometimes we have to have a conversation about how do you know when enough is enough and give yourself permission to make a decision. 
to move further towards your goal versus staying in this place of feeling stuck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For the (laughs) listeners, I've been stifling hysteric laughter for like three minutes because, because yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty accurate. I am a researcher and I don't love this phrase anymore, but you know, analysis paralysis is like definitely Mm -hmm. a thing for me. Um, and, it, and it's caused me to make decisions over months, which I've come to accept about myself, mm-hmm. uh, which is like a nice outcome of this. I And then I the decisions end up most of the time being okay. But yeah, absolutely. Research. Let me get back to you. I'm not confident mm-hmm. in the answer I can give right now. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. like, those are my phrases. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that just knowing those things, right? Sometimes, like as, as it's been mentioned, sometimes it's just really good to know that this is how I show up it's not necessarily wrong. It's not necessarily that I need to change how I show up. Sometimes we need to just understand and make some small adjustments or even just shift our mindset and give ourselves permission to take time to make the decision or to give ourselves permission that I know now this is my answer. Um, Because there are so many factors from being raised to what type of parents we had, were we given a voice that we not have a voice that affect how we're conditioned and how we are able to show up and navigate the world. I'm wondering, you don't have to share your design with us, but how does your own design like influence your clinical practice or how did it influence your clinical practice? Does that Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So I am completely okay sharing my design. So I'm a generator. Initially when I got when I learned about human design, I was convinced I was a projector because I was like, I get so exhausted from being like in some of these spaces and places. But once I saw my design, what I realized is most generators have quite a bit of definition and I only have two defined centers. And everywhere where you have openness is where you're taking things in. And so as a therapist, when I got my first human design reading, the person doing it was like, you do therapy? (laughs) And I was like, yes. And they were like, what practices, what rituals do you use? Because you are taken in a lot. And so I had to learn if I do not want to burn myself out, if I want to continue to do this work that I do, I have to be really aware of the type of information, the type of um, the population I'm working with, make sure that it's a population I'm really interested in. Because as a generator or manifesting generator, it's really important that you're excited and that you are interested in the work that you're doing. If we are not interested, if it is not pleasing to us, we will be frustrated and it will show. So learning my design really helped me better understand the niche that I wanted to work with and the population I wanted to work with. Also, because I do have a lot of openness and this is something that I've noticed. So I have an open head center, open Ajna. That's all about ideas, conceptualization, beliefs, and really being open-minded. A person can present information to me and I can really see all around what they're saying. And I frequently have people tell me, you ask the best questions because I'm thinking through all of these things and I am really curious. And then I have these questions and then people are like, I've never thought about it like that. And so that's one way I mentioned my profile. I have a four, six, the four line is really great for me and um, making connections professionally. Another thing is that my 
design, my authority is sacral. So again, I'm someone who kind of knows in the moment is kind of that gut response. And even in doing intakes, right? Things that are like the business side of the work, I am sometimes able to be like, you know what, this would be a really great fit. Or maybe I'm not the best provider for this person. Maybe I need to refer them on. And it's really me better understanding myself to make changes and shifts in my practice so that things flow very well for me. And then from a clinical perspective, I know that sometimes when somebody's really anxious about something and we check their chart and they have an open root system, we need to have a conversation about the amount of pressure that they're feeling from external factors. Do you have a process for navigating that? And to really have those conversations. Um, I know that when somebody has an open emotional solar plexus, And they say that they were really drained at a family event. That is really kind of like the energy of an empath because, again, it's open. So you're receiving the emotional energy of other people and how to navigate that. That's so cool. I I love that this is an addition to our tool belt to just normalize how we show up as individuals and normalize that we are influenced by, you know, 1 million things every second. And, and that, that does not make an impact on our moral or ethical standing and that the amount of work we have to do is the amount of work we have to do. Um, and that's right. Everybody. Yeah. That's Mm -hmm. beautiful. All right. So as we're winding down a little bit, Siobhan, is there anything, is there anything outside or within human design that you just feel our listeners should know about or, Anything for your practice or anything that you'd just like to share with someone who's listening that may need to hear something? Yeah, so I would say that the most important thing anytime we're engaging in anything new, right? We learn about something, we get super interested is to understand that these things are tools. We live in a society where we want, we love a good definition. We love a good label. And so your type is kind of like your human design type, your human design chart is kind of like the blueprint had no one done anything to you in the general sense of the world, right? And I mean, no one as in society, gender plays a role. Um, I work only with women. A lot of women are conditioned to be highly attuned to the needs of others. Sometimes they can't recognize their own. So there may be things in their chart that doesn't align with them. Um, People have trauma histories. We live in a world, there's always some stressor. So to know that it's a tool, it's a resource, it isn't, because when I first saw my chart, I didn't like it. I had to like, because I really wanted to be like, I don't have a defined throat. I can't just, you know, say something and take a shortcut. I have to wait. Like, you know, there are all these things, right? But I think that using it as a tool, I'm able to understand how to use what I have to navigate the world as best as I can. And um, that emotional signature, when I am feeling frustrated, that's normally a sign that somehow I've moved out of alignment. So I think that's important. And other than that, I am a big believer that anything that we can utilize to help us feel good about ourselves is really important. Yes. Yep. 100%. Mm -hmm. absolutely agree what a great point and you're not you're not diluting yourself you're not and I love to say this to clients you know when we're doing positive self-talk and we're doing self-compassion you're not bullshitting yourself you're saying things that are factual you are being true and honest and sometimes that truth and honesty can be hard to access and 
you're allowed to have, you're allowed to add paths so that you can get to it with more ease. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's not fight against ourselves. That's always what I'm telling my clients. Like we're already living on earth. Let's not fight against ourselves. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Saying that a lot today. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like the idea of like accepting this whole self. Like there are parts of me that I, you know, would rather not have, but like, how can I work with that? to like use it to the best of my ability which I mean like is a lot of dbt as well like my dbt is showing I guess but yeah I I, and it's like it's okay to feel jealous it's okay to feel this shame like Mm -hmm. just like yes please yeah and Siobhan to add to that uh Siobhan like you were saying this cultural influence as well like like why are some emotions why do we judge some of them more uh, like yeah, jealousy and absolutely. envy and bitterness are right, really just indicators. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, and what, what is it with our culture uh, that makes some of these things like less than and gendered? And gen- yeah. I was going to say <laughs> yes. gendered. Yeah. Heavily, yeah. heavily gendered. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Oh my gosh. Siobhan, it's been such a pleasure. Yeah. Where can people find you on the vast, vast internet? Yeah. So I have a website. Um, that is um, www.thehealingloungellc.com so people can find me there um, I am working to develop a li- some more human design specific offerings um, I have really yeah I really like human design and it aligns so well with all of my lived experiences and I'm all about self-exploration so those things will be coming out soon and the common things that we deal with boundaries our voice speaking up how we think our mindset human design can really support understanding our processes better great that's great that's yeah. so good. you have really great uh, mic dropping statements yeah. <laughs> in, case, in case you weren't aware of it already but thank you i appreciate that absolutely Siobhan, it was such a pleasure having you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Of course, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can check us out on Instagram at TNDPod, on Twitter at TNDPod1, one is in the number one, or visit our website at TNDPodcast.com. You would like possibly episodes uh, dropping earlier? history lessons, a private community, and so much more, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash tndpodcast. You can always email us any questions at therapistsnextdoor at gmail.com. You can also find the interview request form in our Instagram bio. Sarah, is there anything you would like to plug? Yeah, Joanna, head on over to teletherapywithsarah.com, monthly blog posts for anti-exploitative living in america imagine that um so we are also offering anti-exploitative career coaching and life coaching now um and therapy sources source therapy services for spiritual trauma are still up and running for folks from philly all the way to pittsburgh oh yeah yeah hell yeah joanna what about you i am offering also therapy and just that for right now but adding you know i've just recently found my niche which i'm super excited about um, which is anxiety and also um, anti-diet, like kind of pushing back against anti-diet culture and yes. body acceptance and, you know, healing relationships with food, which I am very excited about as I 
I embark on that journey myself, getting myself ready to be able to help those who would like to do that as well. So you can head on over to orianatherapy.com and see what I have to offer. I also offer walk and talk sessions, which are a lot of fun. So if you live near me, don't try to find me. Just look at my website and and we can go for a walk. I would love to walk with you. I do love walking with you. Yeah, we'd often walk. Often. And talk. (laughs) Yeah. I don't pay you. She doesn't, no. Maybe. Until next time. (laughs) We are your your therapist next door. door. Bye.